Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hi, um, I'm Graham Hull. I'm the CEO of Gleeds. Uh, Gleeds are a global real estate and construction consultancy business. Um, we've got around 80 offices around the world, employing 2,000 people. Um, so we're involved with the management of uh, construction projects um, in the commercial real estate sectors, but also in public sector, public sector clients. Um, heavily involved in the energy uh, and infrastructure businesses um, around the world. Um, and I've been at Glees for 26 years, uh, wow. thoroughly enjoy working in the business. Uh, the culture is fantastic. Uh, and welcome to the Inspire, Inspiring Leadership uh, Show by um, with Jonathan Bowman-Perks. Thank you very much, Zeke. Well, Graham, it's great having you here. And it was Graham Keane of the Artemis Partnership who uh, introduced us both. Um, love, lovely having you on the show and let's perhaps go straight into um, the journey that took you over those 26 years and before that young lad you know where did you where did you all begin um, I'm, I'm hearing a bit of an East London accent but you know how did life begin at the beginning how has it influenced the leader you are today as the CEO of Gleeds yeah no I've um, family were from the from the East End originally uh, still strong connections there um, but like a lot of post-war generations, um, families moved kind of north and east uh, away from the East End. Um, so still a strong heritage there, but most of my family are now in Essex, Suffolk and, and, and Hertfordshire. Um, I had a fantastic upbringing uh, with very strong family, very East End kind of ethos running through there. Um, so very you know, good, strong family around me, all still together and alive. Um, and, you know, when I was young, um, I was very focused on my sport, on learning. I loved learning and still a very big advocate of learning and reading. So, yes, yeah, so I spent um, a great kind of schooling years. Um, and I got to, the, to my A-levels, completed my A-levels, and I was at a bit of a crossroads in my life. I had the, the opportunity to go to university, but um, I also had other uh, keen sporting interests at play at that time. Um, and, I, and I enjoyed traveling a lot. So I actually made the decision to, to do a part-time degree course, uh, an apprenticeship program. Uh, and I went into the, the world of quantity surveying, uh, which is now termed cost management. Um, had a fantastic uh, apprenticeship program with a small little company in, in Soho, West London, West End of London. Um, and, and then, you know, got qualified as a, as a surveyor um, and moved on to Gleeds. Um, and I think, you know, the, the key thing for me was that that journey I went through on my, my part-time degree and the traveling that allowed me to do, plus the working, plus balancing all of my sport, um, really gave me a a, a strong foundation for the rest of my career, 
um, the multitasking of personal commitments and work uh, commitments and then throwing the, the family as well um, allowed me to achieve all of that. So yeah, I, I've got really great memories of uh, my upbringing and where I got to, to where I am today. Yeah, and, and it is interesting that many of the CEOs and the leaders and explorers and special forces guys and generals that we interview, they, they've all had sport as a key part of their their life and their upbringing to give them that drive, that competitive streak. But but who among your family and a strong family you mentioned in the in the East End, even though they scattered to the, the home yeah. counties, um, who particularly gave you the sort of your foundational values and, and what you stand for today? Um, my father, um, my father was a, um, you know, in G, what GEC became GC Marconi, um, was very uh, involved with um, the design of, of, of whether it's missile guidance systems for the European fighter or whether it was the um, MRI scanners for, for the NHS. Um, very diverse business in terms mm. of what they did and the magnetrons they were involved with. But, so from a business perspective, it was my father, but also GC had a lot of international clients. Um, so our house was constantly full of people from around the world as my father entertained them as they come, came to visit GC and, um, and they stayed with us. And that, um, that was very important for me as well in terms of that multinational, it really, we went traveling a lot as, as a family when we were young and seeing all those different cultures has played a, a big part in my life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, my father um, and uh, my uncle as well, who was also involved with GEC and, oh, and rank um, as well. Um, so yeah, some, they were both very strong, good engineers. Um, so yeah, those were the two big influences yeah. at, that, at that time. Yeah, very, very, very nice to know there was that that foundation and uh, a, yeah. a father figure you could look to. And and as you were growing up, we, we all have um, some proudest moments, some happiest moments, but also some really tough, dark moments, personally or work-wise. Mm. What about proudest yeah. moments and, and what you learned from them? And then what about darkest moments? Growing up or... I mean, yeah, growing up. My, my proudest, my proudest moments growing up were um, the achievements I made in sport and that's continued to be with me all the way through my life. Um, there are some regrets in there that I could probably achieve more, but at the time... What, what know, did you achieve? What were your, what were your sports, Graham? What did you do? Um, well, I, still, I was football, um, so played until I was 38 and then went into coaching both junior teams and district football, which I thoroughly enjoy um, and I kind of retired a couple of years ago but miss it incredibly um, and for me it was about um, also adding to community, communities and societies and I did a lot of money raising for, for children as well so so I was very proud of what I've given to to sport and what I've achieved um, and that still sport still plays an incredible important part to my life mm. um i think i think it was funny i i don't really have any dark moments when i was growing up um but the darkest moment that i've had in my life was the, the suicide of my wife's um brother 
Oh God, I'm sorry. Uh, which was about 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago. Wow. Um, that's right. I mean, it was, you know, you kind of, I look back and it puts it all into, um, back in perspective. Sometimes we think about dark moments. Um, but that obviously incredibly, um, very difficult on family. Um, but it has motivated me to um, be aware of people's mental health uh, and from a business and personal perspective. Um, and, you know, there's a business now we are focused on charity work for mind. We've got very strong, a very strong ethos running through the business about mental health awareness. We've trained over 40 mental health first aiders. So out of something that's very dark, I'm hoping uh, that we can do a lot of, of good. And I'm, you know, I'm really keen that we do more with, with MIND as a charity going forward. It's been our charity of choice for the last two years. Um, I want to do more now we're coming out of uh, the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it has, um, I'm hoping that out of that dark place, a lot of good will come from it. And that's, but that's the story of life, isn't it? Mm. We're out of, adversity you've always you've got to learn from it and try and bring something good out of it yeah it's, it's interesting you, you mentioned about uh, the mental health it's it's been such a topic among the other CEOs and leaders and uh, my wife six years ago set up a charity for mental health and uh, vulnerable girls modern day slavery trafficking abuse and as you can imagine in the pandemic there's been a lot of young girls stuck at home with their abusers in London yeah. and around the area yeah. And um, so it, uh, we must get you to talk at some stage to that group. It, they find it quite powerful. Um, no, I'd, I'd, I'd be delighted to, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it particularly gets the, these young girls who are looking for role models, men and women, that they can look up yeah. to, but, but think that they're all perfect and they never had any of the problems that they've had. Yeah. Yeah, no, no thank you. Totally. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and and um, imagining going back and meeting Graham Hall age 16 or 18, that kind of age, what, what bit of, now you know all the things you've done and the mistakes you've made and the lessons you've learned. If you could go back in a time machine and meet yourself and go, listen, mate, there's just one bit of advice I'd give you to don't worry about this or focus on that. What, what, would, you, what would be your advice? Uh, my strongest bit of advice now would be always to always have a goal. Always have a goal. And, um, you know, I constantly have goals, um, whether it's a goal for the business or my, or my you know, personal life, um, but always have a goal, always have a plan of how you're going to get to that goal or a strategy to get to that goal. And, and always remember that that plan can change. Um, things, you always have um, hurdles in life that we have or barriers that we have to deal with. Um, we've had the biggest one over the last 12 months. Um, but ultimately, your goal should never change. You should have a goal that you will, will aspire to. It gives us great motivation in life, gives us purpose. And I think having that goal, well, I know having that goal with a plan to get there um, is incredibly important. And I would say to any youngster today, you know, always have a plan or a goal in life, however aspirational it is. Yeah. Um, you know, because there are ways to get there. Uh, and I think the final point of, of that is you only learn as you get older is, is listening to people and their advice of how you can achieve that goal. Yeah. Um, because when you're young, you, you think you can achieve anything on your own. 
Um, so, yeah. so a goal with a strong plan uh, that you can that you can change along the way and, and listening to advice um, would be my advice. <laughs> uh, great, great advice. And I'm reminded of uh, Mike Tyson, who said, if you remember, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Exactly right. But so, uh, no plan survives the first meeting with the enemy was one of the old military maxims. And yeah. you can have this great plan. And, and like the enemy was, of course, COVID. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think anybody had a plan in 2020 uh, and 2021 for it to be the way it is now. No, no. And it's, and it's, and, but, you know, it's, it's really funny. I've, I've been just reviewing our, our goal um, of where we want to get to as a business. Our goal hasn't changed from where we were 15 months ago. Um, our plan has changed considerably. Um, and other, you know, other, there are other areas of the business that have become more important. So, and that is a classic example of how the goal hasn't changed, but the plan has. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, yeah, really important. Yeah, great one. So let's go around the Inspiring Leadership Compass. And, and we did that from our researchers, uh, you may know, Graham, from you know, what makes high-performing uh, leaders and teams yeah. uh, and um, also that high potential. And so um, the elements that we found from research, uh, MQ was the first one, you know, your, your foundational values, the values you hold dear, having been yeah. brought up by your uh, role model like your father and your uncle, yeah. Yeah. but also how do they align with the, the, the values that you hold dear in Gleeds? And, and what happened when you've let it slip and how did you get yourself back? Yeah, I, I, you know, values to me, the importance of values to me, uh, over the last 12 months uh, are just absolutely incredible. From, from a business perspective, our values were around our people, our clients, uh, and, and having a personality. Um, and <laughs> what's really interesting is, you know, for me, it was all about the, the well-being of our staff in the pandemic uh, and protecting jobs, uh, which we've been very successful at both. Um, with our clients, it was around the communication, uh, the authenticity and honesty that goes with that as well. Um, our clients uh, needed us more, more than ever as a trusted advisor and a support. Um, and in terms of all of that, it was around maintaining a sense of personality and culture. Um, and those dynamics, we, you know, I think a lot of businesses have said they've been incredibly proud by how their staff have responded, and and I I would endorse that 100. Our staff have globally have been absolutely magnificent, um, and I think so. And it's really enforced those values for me that we will stick with for going forward. 100. It's allowed the business to flourish. Uh, and I'm like extremely encouraged by the future. I think if you haven't got a set of values that you can align yourself with, um, it will affect morale, it'll affect performance, and it will affect culture. And without culture, what have you got? Um, from a personal perspective, for me, you know, as you know, talking earlier, it revolves a lot around my like mental and, and physical well-being for myself and, and, and my family. <clears throat> and those values for me are really around my well-being, the honesty and the determination that I have with my goals. Um, I value good behaviors. Um, 
but I also value looking out for, for people, being kind and generous, and you know, the charity work um, that I've done gives me huge satisfaction. Um, I know if any of those slip, um, my life just isn't in balance. Um, and once I'm out of balance, whether it's a business or a personal perspective, it's not good for anyone. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very conscious of constantly looking in the mirror making sure I've got my balance. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, Graham. Um, when, when we're, you know, I, I remember there's that story of the, the man who's trying to keep his young sort of five-year-old son busy. And he's got a, uh, he's got a, a map of the world from a, from a magazine and he rips it out yeah. and, he, and he chops it up into small bits and he gives it to his son as a sort of like a jigsaw. And he says, there you go, son. You know, that, that, you know, play with that. Hopes it's going to keep him busy. Anyway, the son's doing it on a glass tabletop and, and uh, he comes back and uh, he's got it all together. And he goes, how did you do that? He said, well, Dad, on the back, there's a picture of a man. And I looked under the glass and he said, when I put the man together, the world was all together. And I thought that's just such a lovely analogy. When the man's together, the world's together. And it's, it's, it's quite a good little analogy, isn't it? I like that. It is very much. Yeah. yeah. Um, PQ uh, is about meaning and purpose. What gives your life meaning yeah. and purpose and the mission, yeah. the vision you have for Gleeds. Uh, what, what gives your life meaning and purpose? You're sort of calling about why you do what you do. To be 26 years in one organization, that's real commitment. And there must have been something that kept you committed to that sense of meaning and purpose in the work you did. Yeah. And, and is it, for me, purpose has again, been, again, a, a word that I've looked at myself over the last 12 months um you know the purpose of gleads is to is to help shape the built environment um but it's only when i, I was out on a, a long walk last summer when i really uh, and we're at the height of the pandemic we were involved with building you know the, the hospitals uh, certain hospitals we accelerated programs to allow them to be available for covid patients we were involved with like the nightingale programs um and the rainbow programs in Wales. And, and it really made me reconsider what our true purpose was of the, as a business. It wasn't just about shaping the built environment. It was about, um, it was actually building hospitals that were saving people's lives. It was about building schools and universities that educate our children. It was about building wind farms to, to improve the carbon footprint or reduce carbon. And it really then, once I delved under what was the our strap line, I really understood our true purpose. And I've been, I keep saying to, to our, well, my colleagues in the business about our true purpose. And it's really, some of those, some of the management meetings we had last summer where people were feeling a bit down, deflated, and we've had it, you know, people talk about COVID fatigue. When I actually talk about our purpose, you can feel them lift. It's like suddenly, yeah, I understand it now. It's not just about working in an office. You know, my purpose in life is to actually build these hospitals to save people's lives. And once you actually find that purpose, people just, uh, again, that kind of, that lifting, the morale goes up, the mental health improves. So, so for me, you know, I love buildings. I love uh I love what we do as a business and the different types of buildings and sectors we're involved with. But now for me and the business, we really understand what our purpose is in, in society, in communities. Um, 
and, and taking that from into my personal life, my purpose is just to live life to the full. Uh, and by that, it's, um, you know, by being physically fit, mentally fit. Um, we love adventures as a family. Uh, we certainly miss those. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's just to live life to the full and when one gets to the end of life to look back and not have any regrets or saying, I wish I'd done that. I want to get to the end and go, you know, I, I've, I've achieved everything. Right, so um, to, 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 cross, to cross the line with the screech of burning tires and go, wow, what a ride. Yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a purpose, again, incredibly important from the last 12 months and it was important before, but now going underneath it, um, yeah. really drives me so well well I, I i i won't charge you for this but i'm sure that your your sense of purpose is building with purpose i mean that yes. would be your strap line isn't it building with purpose how about that <laughs> exactly. that's your new strap line um, i but, might make a note of that yeah right right now <laughs> building with purpose um but it, it is interesting uh, just talking to the ceo of the national nu nuclear laboratories which is all about the future of nuclear uh, whether it be sort of to space or it might be our uh, nuclear deterrent or whatever it might be, um, this idea of what can be done, you know, fair curing for yeah. cancer and things like that. And he said, you know, having a purpose-driven business has really motivated them all. And so I, I don't give up on what you're doing about bringing everybody back to the, the clear burning why. Simon Sinek, who I like listening to his yeah. TED Talks, is you know, getting to the why. And, and this is very much in all the work I did as an army officer for 20 years before my 21 years in business, which was that this, he who has a clear burning why can cope with any what or how. And, and that was Nietzsche. And, and just as a philosopher saying, if you have a why, you can cope with anything else. But when people don't know why they're doing what they're doing, they yeah. just, you can end up anywhere. You talked yeah. in your purpose, you talked in your purpose about um, uh, living life to the full, health and well-being, yeah. which takes us on to the next component, the third component, yeah. which is health question. Health, well-being, mental health, yeah. physical health. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you do uh, to keep yourself physically and mentally healthy? And how do you pick yourself up when you let yourself slip and perhaps you've not done enough training or you've eaten some pretty ghastly food and drunk yeah. far too much or whatever it might be? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I've, um, uh, like I say, sport has been uh, an important part of my life. Um, from joining a football team when I was four year old to, to get my first road bike when I was 10. Oh, right. Um, so I can still remember it as an Eddie Merckx Raleigh. Yes, road bike. yeah. Um, so, Eddie Merckx, God, you take me yeah, back now. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's been a massive part of my life. And it's, uh, I, and it's you know, I train five to six times a week. Uh, a mixture of cycling, running. I love swimming and miss swimming. Um, but yeah, at the moment, running, cycling, which I enjoy both tremendously. Uh, I, I also doing a bit of strength and conditioning at the moment as well. But um, one, we were at one of our outbuildings. We actually converted to a gym during COVID. Yeah. Um, and we actually said that we can't go on a ski as a family. We said we can't go on a skiing holiday, so we're going to buy gym equipment instead so we built a gym which is used by uh, all five of us extensively at home so for me my um my physically physically uh, fit 
and strong drives my mental fitness. Um, so my mind and body, you know, if, if I, my mind is very strong and knows that I need to do it. Um, if I do let it slip, my physical kind of fitness, um, even my, well, my wife and children, <laughs> we are the first, because <laughs> they realise my life would be in balance, which is probably not a good thing. How, so, how, old, how old are the children now? So they're um, 22, so son just back, done his master's degree in marine biology, okay. and wants to go travelling, <laughs> not the right time. Daughter, 19, just about to go to Loughborough. Oh, yeah. Taught science. And 16-year-old son, just, uh, I don't know, very thankful he doesn't have to take GCSEs. Yeah. Um, but, but they're very sporty as well. So, so yeah, so that whole, um, that whole physical awareness, being, you know, but aware that I need to be physically fit and strong. None, you know, none of us are perfect, Jonathan. There are days where I will have a glass of wine or a beer or, you know, and the next day I won't train. I don't beat myself up about it, you know. Um, I might even miss a couple of days on the trot. You know, it's just about making sure that you've got that balance. And, you know, and I I love socialising. I like going out with family, with clients, with friends, colleagues. So it's just about finding the right balance. And if it slips here and there, like I say, don't beat yourself up, up about it. No, it's, 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 it's very good. And... Um when you you when you're with the CEOs club on uh, clubhouse we were talking about uh, health and fitness the other day and uh, general james bashel uh, who did airborne training with me he was saying that you know now I, he and i are approaching 60 we we have to look after the uh, avoiding the junk miles so he and i used to do lots of running with packs and and i did mountain marathons was my big thing i hold the world record but the double mountain marathon in cyprus so one of these bizarre things um but but I just, I, I keep it down to 3K maximum once a week and the rest of it, but like you, I do strength, uh, hit training, um, yeah, yeah. Tabata, tabata um, uh, and also uh, yoga. I do 30 minutes yeah. of yoga on, on the days when I'm not doing the hit training. And I find that just keeps me mentally in a, a much better place than I would otherwise be. Do you find the same? Uh, 100%, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, um, I, I need it. I'm, so I get, up very, I get up early in the morning, and do an hour to an hour, hour and a half running, cycling, and a bit of strength conditioning. That's great. Shower, then have a shower, get ready, and I am so uh, focused then on the day. Um, and you know the whole health and well-being piece. I actually I've um, instigated within the business for my like senior, senior leadership teams that they actually get annual reviews for their physical health, which is also aligned to their mental health as well. Um, because I want them to be uh, focused on it as much as I am. And, it, and we've seen massive um, improvements in, in their physical uh, health over the last 12 months. That's really good. And, and what some of the other CEOs and I do is we have, when we're doing coaching, we do walking meetings. So wherever yes. they are and yep. wherever I'm, we're both walking. And I think when we get back to, to the uh, being able to see people, perhaps you ought to have a sort of meeting, okay, uh, so the, the board meeting is on the top of Ben Nevis. See you there. <laughs> and, it, and, it's, and I think that will happen, Jonathan. I mean, we, prior to COVID, we'd seen a shift from, you know, client entertaining around, you know, whether it was a you know, lunch or a dinner, moving more towards going cycling or going, you know, even a game of golf where, you, you, you know, it's, you're going to walk 
seven or eight K or if we'd lead 10 K. Um, <laughs> but, but we were actually doing entertaining around walking, cycling. And through COVID, I've seen a lot of my colleagues actually meet up with clients where it's permitted and actually going for walks. Yeah. And I expect I expect that to continue, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. No, I think it, it, it's people will want it. Now they've had a taste of it. For, yeah. for, I mean, yeah. this is an endemic. It's not a pandemic. So, yeah. you know, the scientists that I know said, you know, prepare for at least two years, maybe three years. Who knows yeah. how longer? Uh, and, yeah. and 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 we've got used to you know looking after our own fitness and health at home, yeah. Uh, yeah. and also wanting to do things differently. And I think I think we won't go back to anything. It will be going forward to different things. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the next one around the compass is emotional and social intelligence. So, you know, your ability to influence and persuade people, uh, particularly in your job as a CEO, you know, you're, you're herding cats all the time. You know, they all want to go off and do different things. And you've got to keep a sort of board or sh shareholders happy with what goes on. Um, and then clients as well. They need to see, they want to see the CEO. They, you know, you've got to be yep. there. Um and that all uh, needs that wonderful old book from 92 years ago, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, which is still a classic. And if you haven't reread it in the last year, get it and reread it. On my, yeah. on my website, jonathanperks.com, you'll find book reviews and yeah. you've got my favorites. They've all got scores, percentile scores. Yeah. It's, it's number one. And, <laughs> and even though it's 92 years old, it's number one. Uh, yeah. And there's some other reviews on there. Just have a look, and you can click on it and go through and get the the audible yeah. version uh, or, yeah. or the or the, the read. But um, what about your um, the skills you've learned over the years to develop your emotional and social intelligence, which is good. I just know from our conversations it's been good. But how did you learn it? Uh, I was always a very sociable person, um, and that has always stood me in good stead. And I've had some really good mentors in my life as well especially when I was younger whether it was my father or whether it's some of the mentors I had in in early business life who I'm still very good friends with uh, and they were really good for me in terms of um, from a business perspective how to spend time with clients big thing I always stand by is that you know we've got two ears and one mouth for a purpose um, i.e to listen um, so I'm a, I'm a big advocate of of listening and learning. Um, and I love going out and having conversations with people and learning, you know, big part of my life has always been about continuous learning, continuous improvement, um, constantly reading, uh, reading around subject matters that are important to me from a business perspective. Um, so I think it's just never becoming complacent, always, reading learning listening um and i mean one there was one mentor i, I always remember he, he used to say to me before you go and meet someone new research the person right um and if and it was all around not just his, their business lives but the, where you could their personal lives and one understand what their interests were sporting perspectives and those type of elements and i i still do that I find I do it subconsciously around people. You know, I just, I naturally try and find out as much as I can about people, find that common ground. Um, and once you've got that common ground, a platform to engage on, then it's, you know, I, I find it very easy to build strong, lasting relationships. Yeah. Um, 
and I've, you know, I've been incredibly fortunate that people that I've met in our industry, which is a sociable industry, you know, construction, real estate, very sociable, but, you know, I've got friends for life um, that were clients and, um, and I'm very thankful uh, of that in terms of, you know, our industry and, and how sociable it is. Um, yeah. Like I say, some very strong friendships. Yeah, well, it, it's so interesting from from the emotional intelligence side to the cultural intelligence side, which is sort of from person centric to, to the, the organization. Because Gleed is global, um, and you've enjoyed your travel, and um, you know you, you want to live life to the full, you've experienced a lot of different places around the world, different people around the world. What have you learned about? having greater cultural intelligence quotient, CQ, which yeah. is linked to emotional intelligence, but also it's linked to um, equality uh, and diversity and inclusion. So, so tell me yeah. about your views on that. Well, like I said at the start, I mean, I was very fortunate that from a, we, we had a, quite a culturally diverse upbringing in terms of locations that we went to or, or people coming to our house. So. Um, and from literally, I think the first time I went traveling on my own, I was 16. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time traveling and, and not, I wouldn't say traveling to locations that at the time, you know, lots of tourists were going to, you know, I would, I remember a classic where I got a, a flight and three days accommodation in Cairo. My return flight was a, a month later. Um, and ended up getting a bus from um, from Cairo to Suez and then down into the Sinai Peninsula, living with the, the Bedouin. Wow. Um, which is, you know, doing some stuff like that, which now would be a bit crazy. <laughs> but, um, but I've experienced some, some wonderful cultures, some meeting some wonderful people. I experienced great food. Um, you know, and, and that great landscape, landscapes, I love walking, climbing, um, I love the mountains, I love the coastline, you know, so I've been incredibly lucky with all of that, and I've also got a love of ancient history as well, so it's oh, a lot yeah. of time, Greece and Turkey, etc. So, um, so that, I, I would say I'm very, you know, my cultural intelligence is, is very high. Um, yeah. And I think that grounding from grounding for me and the traveling I've done, I I only see human beings. And it's and it's difficult to kind of explain it, but I, I just see human beings. I don't I struggle with, you know, um, you know, I don't I don't cast people by gender, by ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera. So I just see a human being. Um, and I think a lot of that was again from my upbringing as well. So um, and I and my team are, are very focused on the whole diverse and in inclusive agenda within our business. You know, we are, um, it, it's high on our agenda. Um, we've got, we're involved with a number of initiatives around the world. Um, I would say our gender mix is, is pretty strong. We've got work to do around ethnicity mix. Um, we know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, as a business, as a, as a family, which the Glees businesses are, I cast them as a, a family. We, you know, we are very attuned to that. And we are a very culturally diverse business. Um, 
So it's it's very high on our agenda. Yeah, well, one of the guys you're going to enjoy meeting, and I'm interviewing him soon, is Dawid Kutniahulu. And um, uh, Reddington is his business. He's a bit of CEO before, but he's got together a number of other people to get by the next five years, 10,000 black interns in some of the big city financial banks and uh, firms. Uh, and it, it's really, things like this are really good initiatives. Um, in all your travel, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, I've traveled a lot you know, as a, a young army officer and, yeah. and just, yeah. but, but to go to Cairo and then, and then go down the Sinai Peninsula and live with a Bedouin. I mean, you need a certain amount of resilience and just, you know, okay, I, I had what, you know, a few days accommodation booked and then I was there for a month. That's just brilliant. Now, as you say, these days, people are too worried about getting attacked by terrorists, yeah. and also, but still people yeah. do travel. Um, yeah. And I would, um, I have an ambition to go to Peru on a men's retreat one day when I can afford to. Uh, and we go to Machu Picchu and yeah. uh, it's called the yeah. Humble Alpha retreat yeah. and, and you're just all there taking sort of certain plant medicine and thinking about your life purpose and stuff so yeah. if it's good i'll get you i'll, I'll get you to come with me <laughs> yeah. but um with all that travel you need a, a lot of resilience uh, to cope with adversity and setbacks and disappointments uh with your ancient uh, history love of greece and rome uh i wonder if you've come across marcus aurelius and seneca and epictetus and the stoics because i'm a great yeah. follower of the stoics and i found yeah. that's helped me with the many problems I've made in my own life and setbacks and disappointments that I've had. What's your way of coping with uh, adversity by having resilience to get through things? I think the first thing, Jonathan, is um, we've actually got a, a team down in um, Peru at the moment. Oh, wow. Uh, we've actually we've set up an office in Lima in the last 12 months. Um, so um, where we're helping to build the infrastructure and social infrastructure that was um, taken out in the 2017 El Nino event. Yeah. So it's a government to government initiative, um, which we're incredibly proud to be a part of. Um, but I think, yeah, re resilience, um, and we've seen, you know, what a, what a strong word that we've seen over the last 15 months and how resilient people have been um, in these in these difficult times and uh, I, and I think I, I've seen it I've seen it in staff well, colleagues uh, family uh, in the second quarter last year where people were struggling but then I saw third fourth quarter and now people very strong and resilient and and I keep um, for me that that resilience I have to come back to my that my physical you know the exercise my mental health and that gives me my my karma um, allows me to deal with adversity. So, I mean, the first thing that I will do when I f face a difficult situation is go for a long run or a long bike ride yeah. uh, or, or a long swim. And I will spend the, normally a run or a swim because it's a bit dangerous sometimes to do on a bike, but I'm developing options, strategies in my head um, about looking at all the scenario planning, looking at what I, I need to achieve, and then come back and then just calmly go through it. It takes away the adrenaline that adversity brings or those horrible, the horrible endorphins as it were. So, so for me, it's about like really focusing, getting focused, getting mentally in the right state of mind to deal with um, the adversity that, that we all face. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, we've all had issues to deal with in our lives uh, and it's just about coping. Some may cope by having a drink or, or anything else, but you know, for me, it's about bike ride or run. That's um, good one, that's good one. That's much healthier. Or, or, a, or, a, or a long walk. But yeah. it, it just allows you to think calmly and you might have a long walk and finish up at a pub. <laughs> but at least you've thought calmly no. through it, and so, so that 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 whole mental physical resilience gives me, you know, my uh, well, mental and physical health gives me my resilience yeah. and strength. Brilliant. Okay. Well, we're down to the last few questions. I mean, I'll just sort of um, fire, fire these off very briefly. We're talking about brand, then we're talking about legacy, then about uh, exec teams, favorite book, and then your final two minute top tip. Um, so, so what about 360 feedback? So you know what people think about you. When, when was the last time you've had some 360 feedback? Uh, that's, so I, I get 360 feedback um, once a year in the Good. fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, I also have feedback from my non-execs, um, so which I appreciate as well hugely. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, the I, I'm a big advocate of. 360 feedback, listening, learning. I give my exec team feedback every uh, every quarter, at the end of every quarter. Um, we've got a very open and honest and trusting relationship at our board level. So there's never, it doesn't bring any um, adversity if, if I make comments, which is, which is always good. It's like, well, how can we improve? So I think, you know, for me, 360 is incredibly important. Again, I'll go back to my earlier point about listening and learning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've done a lot of staff surveys, again, globally through the last 12 months um, to, to listen about what our staff uh, want for the future as well. And that will continue with that. We want right. kind of 360 back from up to the management boards about what staff are looking for in the future, because it's going to be, it's going to be challenging once we come out of lockdown um, as we find out the new equilibrium and balance in our lives from the work-life balance perspective. So, um, and I think, you know, for me as well, when you talk about the brand as well, that, you know, Gleeds has got a very strong, strong brand, an amazing heritage, 136 years old. Um, and our brand is really built around that heritage, the strength, the resilience um, and, you know, together with a very multi-diverse culture. Um, plus now with a big, well, plus we, we were always focused on the environment, but more focus on the environment, more focus on innovation and digital agendas. Um, but we're look, constantly looking to improve. And for me, you only get that um, by having 360 reviews that help you improve that that brand. And so sometimes it's really difficult to, um, you know, make sure that your culture is reflected in your brand. Um, yeah. So we're spending a lot of work on that at the moment. Um, and I always said that probably about this time last year, actually, when I was communicating staff either on Zoom teams or on uh, by letters that Gleeds has been around for 136 years, survived many world wars, depressions, recessions, mm. always comes out of a crisis stronger. Uh, and we are stronger today than we were 12 months ago. 
Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. And and it's uh, you made me think of a number of things that particularly hearing from staff and, and other CEOs, one of them said the three things he was focusing on was digitization of his business, ESG, and, and diversity, inclusion, and equality as his three major drivers. Um, and, and other CEOs agreed that was key for yeah. them too. Um, yeah. and, and one of them I encouraged to have reverse mentoring. So he's picked a young uh, woman from different ethnic background to him yeah. uh, to be his mentee, but his reverse mentor. So she comes on board meetings and sits and listens in and afterwards, mm. or even publicly, he says, you know, what's your thought? And she'll say things like, well, you've not thought at all about the younger generation. This is, this is a bunch of old white blokes having a, having a chat about them and their mates. And it's yeah. really, it's a really good challenge. So I would encourage you, if you haven't tried it, to experiment with having a reverse mentor. So you mentor them, but they also mentor yeah. you back and they sit right, in right. on some of your meetings uh, and they just give a perspective that you haven't even thought about. Um, I, I've got an idea. I, I was just going to say on those three topics you mentioned, obviously we've got a clear focus uh, on those. Um, the only other one is what you've seen because of my uh, personal experiences is mental health. Um, yeah. You know, that's the, um, it's just making sure that as we move forward that our, our my colleagues are all in the, in the right place and, and have the right support. We have a, a whole, for this year, we've got a whole mental wealth, uh, mental health awareness programme, um, which can focus in on like uh, giving financial advice or giving, uh, or we've got once a week we do a thing called desk exercise or we're doing yoga and so there's we've got a whole calendar which is designed specifically right. around mental health and i said the mental health first aiders as well which is um a, yeah it's a fantastic course um so yeah I, I think great for businesses to to use that more as well fantastic no fully fully support that and, and he cannot understate it so tonight um uh, at six or seven, Brian Hayworth is on Clubhouse and he and I talk about that. And he's uh, the chairman of the City Mental Health Alliance, which yeah. works with a number of different organizations about mental health. So it's, it's a big thing among many of the, yeah. the, the leaders. Uh, legacy, what would you like your legacy to be in your work and your life, Graham? What would it be? Uh, well, as my legacy in terms of my personal life was, um, you know, Strong, obviously, a strong family ethos, as I explained, and I want to continue. If anything, I want to do more with charities. I, I'm, I may get back into some coaching as well, which I do do miss, because um, they, you know, all of that and that being involved with communities gives me great personal satisfaction, um, and I still, you know. Ultimately, my legacy. I, I, like you say, I want to go across that finishing line. Uh, yeah, so exactly. So, um, so for that, I, and that is like a series of goals I've got in all of that. Um, I think, for, from a Gleed's perspective, I go back to that whole the purpose of what we're doing and the, the way we're building lasting legacies in the built environment uh, to really, um, you know, help deliver schools faster, quicker, cheaper, better. Um, being involved with like the rebuilding of infrastructure in Peru is, again, gives me tremendous satisfaction. I wanna, we wanna do more uh, programs like that. Um, so I really wanna help 
not only just not just shaping the built environment, but building communities, sustainable communities and societies. Um, and, and my utopia as well is also to be for police to be the, the employer of choice in our, in our sector. Um, and by that, it does bring a lot of those agenda items that we discussed around DNI and ESG and digital and mental health, etc. Because that is what is important to people now. Certainly, the younger generations. We want to yes, we want to give people clear career paths. Yes, we want to remunerate them well, but they actually want to. They want to be in a business that has higher ethical standards, has a strong purpose. Um, and we, as we've seen with, as I said earlier, with strong values that are, are resilient. And yeah. I think if you get that, if you get that right, um, and that, that's, that's our goal as a business, is where people want to come to work with us for what we do in communities and society and the way we go about it. Yeah, so well, well, it's, it's, it, it's interesting uh, with your sporting background and your whole attitude. <laughs> you use a lot of words, not like I, to about we and us, which takes me nicely on to the next, uh, uh, the, the, the last of the three questions. Executive teams yeah. uh, is all about, there is no I in team. Um, yeah. And what have, what have you done to create a high-performing team? And, and in the past, when you've been in a toxic team, how did you turn a toxic team around? Yeah, I am incredibly fortunate. I've got, a, I mean, a very, very strong exec management board um, around me. Um, lots of strength, lots of experience. Um, it's a it's a high performing team. Um, so I'm very, very fortunate. Um, the key thing for me in terms of that team, and probably there will be some sporting analogies in there, was make sure they understand their role and their responsibilities. Uh, and make sure they understand. Um, what we expect or what I expect as performance levels um, and that enables the whole team to perform. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think, you would, well, I know we've created a very uh, high, a, a strong, high-performing team by the culture we've got at that table. And then that will naturally cascade down into the other teams. And, I, you know, I see that um, as I go into my other regions globally. You can see some real kind of strong behaviours um, in terms of uh, any toxic teams or individuals um, yeah my, my view is you deal with them very quickly very decisively um, yeah. I'm toxic team members or team members that do bad behaviours um, they're dangerous for the business um, they can it can spread, the bad behaviours can spread very quickly. So, um, yeah, my, my advice there is you deal with it very quickly. Yeah, it's, it's like a bushfire. You've got to put it out quite quickly and yeah, help, help them find their happiness elsewhere. And, and as you see with, with uh, some characters, and I couldn't possibly comment on presidents, but there's certain people who are on the sort of white-collar, psychopath, narcissistic yeah. uh, spectrum and you have to call them out. They're charming, diplomatic, and you know, but they are so manipulative. And they not only do they take out their boss, who normally is about to work them out, but yeah. then they try and suck up to the boss's boss. So the boss gets taken out rather than takes them out. 
and then they move yeah. up the chain and and they've got to go you, you got you people emigrate to avoid those kind of people they won't be changed i'm a great believer as you said learning and uh, listening and development and lifelong learning you know you and i are the incomplete leader with a complete team yeah. um, but yeah. you will occasionally come across people who whatever you do they, their character is fundamentally flawed and they are obsessed about status and power for themselves not for the good of their organization um yeah. last two questions what would be your favorite book on leadership or cool. character or neuroscience and then we'll do a recording of your your favorite top tip at the end which uh, stands on its own as well uh choosing <laughs> it's funny um uh, choosing a book management book that I could um, say is like influenced me more than <laughs> it's, it's really difficult um, because because um, you know Simon Sinek I like a lot uh, um, and you know, I've got a, I've got a pile of books on my desk at the moment so um, it's very difficult I, there was one actually I, I, that I, I read on holiday uh, we could go on holiday a few years ago which I read very I enjoyed it so much. I've read very quickly and completely aligned with some of your thinking and my thinking. It was a book, probably by someone you know, actually, called The Warrior, The Strategist and You uh, oh. by a guy called uh, Floyd Woodrow. Okay, um, no, no. And, um, and it's, I reached out to Floyd uh, on LinkedIn when I was on holiday and just said, read your book, I think it's really good. Um, and actually, Floyd now has become a good friend. Oh. Um, so... So I think, um, and it's, you know, it's one of those books that I thought, I've, I've got to re reach out to this person and just say, I really enjoyed your book. Uh, lots around, um, obviously a lot of what's important to me around the, the, having a goal and the mental, physical awareness, et cetera. So, so yeah, so that, that was the one that I suppose, just because I reached out to him, which I wouldn't normally do, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, so, no, it, it, it is nice. And one of the great joys I've had of interviewing authors um, and David Marquet wrote Turn the Ship Around and Leadership as yeah. Language. Uh, yeah. was a captain of the USS Santa Fe and, and I interviewed him recently and found him very profound. I recommend both his books. They're in the top, my top five. Um, and also then Nancy Klein, who wrote a fantastic book called The Promise That Changes Everything. I Won't Interrupt You. And yeah. that, that is profound. So let's go into our final two minutes. Um, if you just briefly would introduce yourself again, Graham, tell uh, the people listening, because it's going to stand on its own as well as being part of this, who you are, what your firm does, and then what your practical tip is and why it matters to you and why you think people enjoy it. So over to you, Graham. Yeah, hi, I'm Graham Hull. I'm the CEO of Gleeds. Um, Gleeds are a global international real estate and construction consultancy business uh, with around 80 offices and 2,000 employees. Um, my practical bit of advice was uh, largely related to COVID um, and the pandemic. Um, and I kept saying to people, remember all of the good that you've achieved through the pandemic and continue doing them, but also pick up on all the positives that you were doing before the pandemic. Um, people have started walking, running, as well as cycling or, and those things need to continue. Um, but as well as the physical, there are also the, like, the spiritual and emotional aspects um, that makes us all human. And I think 
if you can find that balance between spending quality time with your colleagues, families, and then maintain your important values in life, as we move out of the pandemic, pandemic and life returns to normal, I think we will we'll all find a, a much better balance in our lives. Graham, brilliant. And thank you so much for being on. Stay on the live. We'll have a chat when the recording ends. But sure. thank you very much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, and, and your life stories. It's been fascinating. Thank you, Graham. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, Get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.